Hello and welcome to On The Couch with Steve, a podcast where we help you navigate the often complicated world of buying and selling real estate. Obviously, I'm Steve Athanades. I'm the owner of NG Real Estate Ipswich. Today, we're talking to one of my elite sales agents, uh, John Karlicek. Uh, he's in our Brussels office, so we're part of NG Real Estate Ipswich. John's been in the industry for about three years now. That's correct. Beautiful. Now, John, in the last 12 months... 70, yep, 77 properties. 77 properties in the last 12 months is what yep. you've sold. That equates to about- $40 million worth of property. Okay, well, congratulations on that first Thank and foremost. You. The reason we're telling you the numbers that John's been able to achieve in this marketplace is obviously uh, John's transacting a lot. So effectively what that means is you're meeting lots of sellers and obviously helping them uh, through that sales process. Yep. But probably just as important, you're meeting lots and lots of buyers because you're doing open homes every weekend and you're talking to people. Now, uh, we've just been discussing, um, obviously, what's happening in the marketplace. It's a difficult time. Interest rates have just gone up again today. Just got the notification. Yeah, really sad day. Uh, but unfortunately, um, it's a fact of life. It's nothing we can do to change it, but hmm. it has an impact on people. So one of the impacts it has on our buyers is it affects their level of affordability. That's correct. So, John, give us an, a bit of an insight. We'll start with what you're saying to mm -hmm. sellers today about yep. that level of affordability and how it potentially impacts on their sale yep. and what should they do right now. Yep. Look, at the end of the day, the interest rates have risen. So what it does, is it affects the buyer's bottom line. Effectively, if we get more interest rate rises, effectively, it affects their bottom line again and again and again which effectively means there's less buyers at a certain price range. So what we're saying to the sellers right now today is if you're going to sell, sell now because right now there are buyers that are approved right now at a certain price, but after the 90 days that will change and it will be less if we get another interest rate rise. So when we talk about 90 days, we're saying a buyer has a pre-approval from a bank yep. and that pre-approval lasts for a 90 day period. That is correct. All right, so we've got buyers out there who are pre-approved at a certain level and they can jump into the market. However, if they don't buy within this 90-day period... They have to get reassessed. Have to get reassessed. Now, obviously, they're going to get reassessed most likely yes. at a lower level. That's correct. All right, so for sellers, they should come to market now? Yes, 100%. Yep. Now, John, we've talked about this extensively on this podcast. Um you know, there's there's always a certain window that uh, people have to mm -hmm. buy in. Now, at this point in time, if we take a snapshot of what's happening this year yep. compared to one year ago, <laughs> there's, there's basically half as much stock to choose 100%. from. 100%. So what I'm also saying to sellers, look, it's a difficult time for buyers and sellers right now dependent on their financial situation. But what we're seeing is a bit of an imbalance of supply and demand. So the good news for sellers as well right now is because there is a lack of supply and there still is a certain demand, even though those interest rate rises are happening, what we're seeing is there's still buyers willing to buy at capacity, which means they're going to get a good price now. But if they wait, if there is an oversupply down the track, which may happen, Obviously, there will be another imbalance in where the supply and demand meets. It could potentially flip switches. Yeah, well, look, there has been some debate about what will happen with house prices. To this point, we haven't really seen any real reduction in prices no. at all. Now, you did open homes Saturday, just gone. Yes. Right. How many open homes did you do on the weekend? I did four open homes. Okay. Now, across your open homes, uh, would you say buyer numbers were strong? 
uh, yep. medium or weak? I, I would say they're moderate. I wouldn't say they're as strong as what they were a year ago, but they certainly picked up since December, January, that little phase where people are starting to question where the actual rate rises were going. I think some people have actually um, now dealt with it and understood that we're at a situation where the interest rate rise, rises are happening. They're here to stay for a certain period of time. Obviously, you know, the RBA promised that we weren't going to have those increases for a certain time. And the buyers and sellers now understand that this is the current situation. Um, prices haven't changed drastically right now, but at the same token, if they hang on too long to sell, there is a good possibility that there will be an oversupply because people are getting off their fixed rates as well. So another implication again. So yeah, you're really right. And we've again on this podcast, we've talked a lot about people, uh, people's um, fixed rates expiring and yeah. then potentially uh, them coming back into the market from, say, sub 2%, and then now they're going to pop out just under 6%. Correct. So obviously that's going to have an impact on people without doubt. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, for all those buyers that you met on the weekend, um, obviously there's still a great appetite for people wanting to buy. Absolutely. Uh, Last month uh, here at NGU Ipswich, we sold 60 homes, um, so two a day. Uh, that was that equated to $33 million worth of Ipswich real yep. estate. So what we do know is is that despite what's happening, people are still motivated to buy. 100%. Okay. Now, what can we say to buyers, John? You're mm-hmm. an experienced agent. You're out there in the, in a, in the mm-hmm. trenches every single weekend. If yep. someone wants to buy a house today, what can they do to mm-hmm. effectively increase their chances of success and getting yep. a contract signed? So I think... Ask the correct questions before you actually make an offer. So ask where are the owners hoping to land in terms of price. If you had an offers over strategy, go, look, can you give me a price guide? Because at the end of the day, I'm meeting so many buyers where we've had multiple offer situations in certain stock, not all stock, but certain stock where I've had 10 offers on the one property and they would have kicked themselves backwards if they just went two or three grand higher or even 10 grand higher, depending on the property. So if they ask for a guide, now it's not disclosing the other offers, but as a guide of where I think it may potentially land before we're in a multiple offer situation, it gives them an understanding of where they potentially should go um, to actually secure the property. Yep. So that's one. Another one is just putting a reasonable deposit down. We're seeing some buyers that put a very, very low deposit down with their offer. It's not really appealing for the seller. So if they can put 5% down or something like that, that is a little bit more attractive to show that their finances are in order. Now, it's not the case for everybody, but if they can do that, they probably should if it comes to securing the home. Okay. So just for the people at home in Queensland, the maximum deposit that we're, we're allowed to um, to take in relation to a sales deposit is 10% of the sale price. Okay, so that's the maximum deposit. So what John's talking about is, is that some people will say, oh, look, I want to buy a $600,000 house, but can I put down a $2,000 deposit? Now, when we talk about seller confidence, the seller's thinking to themselves, well, you want to buy my $600,000 property, but you only want to put down a $2,000 deposit. Do you have the money to actually go ahead with the mortgage? Correct. Because you need at least, you know, obviously you've spoken to Stanford Financial about different deposit strategies. At the most, generally speaking, you get as way as little as 5%. So 5% of $600,000. If you're putting $2,000 down, it's just not looking great in the seller's eyes. That's right. And some people will say, oh, you know, but I don't want to put down a big deposit. I've got the money there, but I'll give it to the bank. But the, I guess from a, from a seller's confidence point of view, and obviously- yes. In this transaction, it's important that buyers understand we represent 
the seller. Okay, we're getting paid a commission from the seller to sell their property. So they're saying to us, and they're asking a legitimate question: If someone wants to, you know, buy a six hundred thousand dollar house, and even a five percent deposit would equate to thirty thousand dollars, why are they offering two thousand dollars? Correct, and that is one of the biggest hurdles that we have to face as agents: is actually give our vendors. Um, the correct information advice based on certain offers because there's sometimes an offer that is almost identical in price but when it comes down to something as simple as a deposit it can be the you know getting the property or not getting the property between success or unsuccess for that particular buyer okay now we obviously have a sales meeting every monday john and we talk about what's happened over the course of a weekend and what we found is as the market conditions have changed we're getting some buyers who want to put like our standard conditions of a contract would mm-hmm. be Subject to finance. Yep. Most contracts are 21 days for finance. Yeah. Uh, we, they, a lot of people want to do a building and pest inspection, which is completely reasonable. Yeah, a lot absolutely. of time we're trying to get those done within seven days. Correct. But as the market's changed a little bit, we're getting buyers who want to have due diligence clauses uh, and, you know, all sorts of complicated mm-hmm. get out of jail, you know, type clauses yep. that their solicitors think up for them on their behalf. Yes. What, what, what are you finding in the marketplace when you're presenting those sorts of offers to sellers today? Look, what I'm recommending to the sellers and the buyers, for instance, as well, is I'm being upfront with them. I'm having an open, honest conversation with them saying, hey, I understand you have a 21 due diligence clause. You've got a 14-day finance clause. Can we trim it down to 14? Because at the end of the day, we want to know in 14 days, are you going to buy this home or not? And sometimes there's what they're actually searching for is very minor. They could actually go to the Ipswich City Council, find the information themselves, save them a solicitor fee in the first place, avoid that um, subject to due diligence clause in there and actually get the property as well. So we're actually advising, look, if you're thinking of making an offer subject to due diligence, if you have a specific concern, it may be worthwhile searching. And if you're satisfied with that, we can just remove it. Correct. I think sometimes too, even if buyers, when they want a due diligence clause, when we often ask them, like, why? Yeah. What, what, are you, what are you searching for? What is it that you're concerned about? And a lot of the time we get the answer is, mm. well, I don't know. The solicitor just told me to put this on the yeah. contract. You know, sometimes I think, you know, if you really want a property mm-hmm. uh, and it's the solicitor's job to clearly protect the buyer. Yeah. But, but sometimes when you're putting a due diligence clause on it, like just for the heck of it. You're hurting the actual offer itself and the person trying to purchase the property in the first place. So would it be fair to say if you had multiple offers on a property, mm-hmm. okay, they were, you know, two out of three were just subject to finance yep. and a building and pest. Yep. And then you had a third clause a third contract, I beg your pardon, that was even potentially higher in terms yep. of dollar value, but it had additional clauses on it. Which one do you think yep. would get accepted? Look, the one with the simple terms. And the reason being is it's all about risk management and risk assessment for those vendors. Look, sometimes risk comes reward. If there's something significantly higher, and I mean something ridiculously higher, like a $50,000 um, difference in price, is it worth the risk? I myself would take that risk. If the offer's $2,000 better and there's much higher risk involved with that contract, well, it's a no-brainer to go with simple terms and conditions on a contract. Yep. So it's likely that the person, even with a slightly lesser offer, will get it over the person who has 100%. Additional, additional contract clauses. Okay, mate. Now, look, um, we know it's competitive out there. Yes. Okay. So uh, it's not just competitive for... Um, you know, for for sellers uh, and for buyers, it's competitive for us as real estate agents as well Absolutely. in this marketplace. The market conditions are changing. And look, I think it's fair to say um, 
sometimes I think people think that real estate agent is the boogeyman <laughs> and, and we're, out, we're out to get them. Okay? We're not out yep. to get them, are we, John? We actually no. need these people because yeah. they form a vital part of... The transactional process correct. involved in buying and selling. You need two parties. You need a buyer and a seller. So we're clearly, we're not trying to rip a buyer off. We're not no. trying to do anything untoward. We're not trying to lock them into a contract that's got, you know, 60, you know, 60 different Look, fall I, holes. I tell everyone the same situation. It's our job to find an alignment with the seller's expectations and the buyer's expectation. If we can find some sort of alignment where they're both happy, that's where we want to be. Correct, mate. Correct. So overall, what what's your assessment of the market? Do you think it's a good market or a bad market or it's mm -hmm. starting to become a bit of an even market? I think every market is a good market, to be honest with you, Steve. And the reason being is no matter what market you're buying or selling in, generally, if you're going to sell, you're going to buy in the same market. So it doesn't actually matter how the market's actually going in terms of today. If you're thinking of selling, now's always the best time. In terms of stock levels, if you are thinking of selling, there is a supply and demand issue as we speak. So we're definitely going to get you a certain price range that is relevant to the current market. But if you're looking to sell and buy in the same market, if you buy in a lower market and sell in a lower market, the differences are usually the same. But if you're purely looking to say downsize or something like that, where you're looking to leverage a certain market and then buy somewhere else where it's a different kind of market, by all means, I would highly recommend selling today. Great advice, John. All right, well, look, unfortunately, we're going to have to cut it off there, but thanks for tuning in. Now, to hear and see more of On The Couch with Steve, just subscribe to the link below here. Um, special thanks uh, to our oh, guest right. star, John Karlachik, obviously an elite agent within the mm -hmm. NGU Real Estate Ipswich Group. Yep. Don't forget, this gentleman is selling in the vicinity of 80 homes a year. Uh, if anyone wants any help uh, in terms of selling their home, please reach out reach to John. Reach out to me. Love to help you. Now, Conversely, if you're a buyer, reach out to John. 100%. John will help you. So if you have an opinion about um, what we've talked about today, uh, please share your thoughts on our socials. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and at this point in time, stay tuned for more with On The Couch With Steve.